Hello, everyone. This is Jen from Grounded Sounds. My co-host Abel and I are happy to be able to bring you some bonus material over the next few weeks as we will be taking the holiday season to decompress and spend time with our families. So we have some Oklahoma artist and entrepreneur interviews from Americana Fest in Nashville this year, and we hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. You can find Grounded Sounds on Twitter and Instagram at Grounded Sounds, on Facebook, Grounded Sounds OK. We are sending care from our Grounded Sounds family to yours. Happy holidays and happy listening. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Greg, and mm-hmm. you know, you have uh, just done some amazing work, not only in Oklahoma but outside of Oklahoma. Yeah. And um, you, for listeners who don't know, you have you and the Blue Door. All right. Uh, the Blue Door uh, is ultimately Oklahoma City's most successful um, listening room that we have, and you really have you've sustained you've sustained this listening room, and nobody's really come touch you on this. You know, I mean, there's not any other space that has been able to survive and um, sustain the way the Blue Door has. So tell us a little bit about your secret on that and how, how the long-running Blue Door, this, you know. Yeah, um, I, well, I grew up in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and I have like a lot of us who live here, we have like a love-hate relationship with a lot of stuff. <laughs> we love a lot of part of it, and there's a lot of things we don't. Everybody knows my politics are very left-wing. They're very outside of the norm in Oklahoma. So uh, so I go against the grain a little bit in some ways. But I grew up in Oklahoma, and then I moved to Austin, Texas in 1990, in, in the 80s. And I just I just knew, you know, how you sometimes just, I got to have a change and do something else. Yeah, yeah. So I went down there. Um, and I, I started writing. Uh, I did a lot of journalism in there, all over, you know. And I started writing about music, and I started hanging out with songwriters, and st- started doing Woody Guthrie tributes in Austin. And you know, um, J- uh, Jimmy LaFave was uh, and Michael Fracasso and all these people, and we did these Woody shows. And then, uh, then I moved back to Oklahoma um, in 1992, and opened the Blue Door in '93, like the first. And I wasn't going to be a club owner. Like, ooh, that's greasy. You're like a greasy club owner because you know we don't like club owners. They ripped off musicians. We don't like these guys. They're kind of, you know, they're like, you know, heck with you. You don't draw enough people, so we don't like you. We're not going to pay. You know, all that. So the whole vibe about a club owner and me is like, I mean, I was a music historian, a journalist, and I came from that whole background, right? And then I just started, but then. One thing led to another. I did a show with Michael Fracasso in January of 1993. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, I guess we'll do another one. And we did another show. And we did another show. Then we did another show. And then 25 years later, we were over 2,000 somehow, you know, and we're known all over the country as the place to come play in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And it was totally a labor of love, and it still is. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm, I mean, if people, I mean, I'm not saying this to to brag on myself or to make any kind of distinction but it's not a money making thing right right it's not it's just not it will never be it can never be it can never be what it 
you know, it's never going to be like a big successful club. It's just going to be a place where songwriters can come and grow and develop their art and hopefully let it grow. And and I let people come there and play to 10 people. Mm-hmm. A lot of club owners will say, I'm sorry, you don't draw enough, so we can't have you. Right. And I don't care. Yeah. I, I just want people to come and, and, and grow and do the best they can. Um, and so that's how it all started. It was just sort of a, well, I guess I'll do, let's just do another show. Well, well hell, we'll do another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was writing for the Oklahoma Gazette, and, and I wrote for Oklahoma Today for, I did several, I did a big piece on Jimmy Webb for the Oklahoma Today, and I did a, uh, I had a column in the Oklahoma Gazette for eight years, so I was always writing about music. Right. I was always doing all that, which I'm going to get back to pretty soon, I'm, you know. Well, Cellar Door has a blog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you ever want to come write? Oh, I'm, some I'm, music. I'm ready to start. I'm ready. <laughs> to, I'm ready to write more. Um, it's kind of something I, I, I miss doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still do it. Yeah. yeah, I still do it, but I don't do it the way I really want to. Anyway, that's how it all started, and it, and it just was like, okay, I guess we'll just do it. Yeah. It's one of those things where you don't really figure it out, but you know what your heart says. You know, I love songs. Mm-hmm. I don't like the tra- I don't like the music business. I really don't like it. Yeah. I don't like the whole smoke and mirrors and all this nonsense and all this stuff. And, and I, you know, there's a lot of this game plan you, you have to do. And I've done some of it because you can kind of do it. But it doesn't. It's not what sustains me. What sustains sustains me is is how can a song touch us and how can a song how can we let this song become part of us and and we leave the blue door with this song in our heart and whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's a lot of these jam bands, a lot of these, you know, guys that have this kind of nice sound and stuff, but there's no real songs. And I just don't want to, I don't want to work with them. I want to work with somebody that I can remember what they said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on John's Fulbright's uh, first studio record, I wrote the liner notes and said, I like, when I hear a song, I want to hear, if I really like it, I want to hear a song that I want to hit repeat. Like, damn, I want to hear that song again. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, oh, that was pleasant, but I don't really want to hear it again, but it sounded okay right now yeah, in, yeah. in the context of a live show. Mm-hmm. But do you want to take that song home with you? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what makes a great, great song. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just kind of, ah, they're okay. Yeah. So that's, and that's, that's the gist of it. Well, and I, I like the honest conversation about, you know, I'm hearing that your measure of success is different from maybe that monetary you know like you said and I think you know we I've worked with a lot of um, venue owners and and I I enjoyed my my journey with each one of them but a lot of it it is it's like well how do we get people in the seats and how do we and I understand I I understand that people have to pay their bills but I you know the blue door is successful I mean the blue door is so successful (laughs) I mean from you know anybody who's in but anybody from Oklahoma City or Oklahoma or outside of Oklahoma that knows the blue door yeah um, you have made a mark of success with your venue, and right. that, and I mean, you have people come in from all over, not mm-hmm. just Oklahoma artists. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Blue Door is a place to go to get authentic, you know, an authentic listening room right. show. Right. And so, to me, that's success. And it sounds like it is success. I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's tough because we don't really. I don't really make enough money to really be able to. to if like something really bad happened, I'd go, oh God, mm-hmm. I gotta call, I gotta call. Uh, Fulbright, the Red Dirt Rangers, and these guys, we got to have another benefit because the crack in the floor is getting too damn big, and I, I, I need help here. So, I mean, 
but and that's happened over the years, and and it will, it probably will again. I mean, I yeah. it, I probably will need help again. I mean, that's just the nature of it because I don't sell alcohol, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so it's only be. about the music, yeah. about nothing else. Yeah. And that it's unheard of. It is absolutely <laughs> unheard of in America. It doesn't happen. Yeah. There's no other place. Yeah. And it was like a. I go, shit, am I doing this? I maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yep, it's all right. <laughs> I said, are we really going to do this? You know? Yeah. And, and I remember when my, friend, my dear friend Michael Fercasso, who is, is our adopted Oki, uh-huh. he is like, he's my dear friend. Um, and uh, he did the first show at the Blue Door in January of 1993. Mm-hmm. And we had 50 people show up just based on sending out little cards, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. this, this is pre, kind of pre big internet thing. Right. right. They just send out these little postcards. <laughs> I said, 50 people. Shit. This is easy. Yeah, I can do this all the time. <laughs> well, let me tell you in the last 20 years, 25 years, there's been many nights when there's been seven people or eight people or three people yeah. or a hundred people mm-hmm. and people. And what bothers me sometimes about some of our listeners or fans out there or whatever is that they, they look, they go, Oh, the only time they come is like, oh, well, Jimmy Webb comes. Of course, he's a he's a songwriting legend. Of course, he's going to pack the place. Mm-hmm. And then John got big, and John Fulbright, mm-hmm. and he packs the place. It's like, oh, I never can get in the Blue Door. I said, well, then you don't come enough. <laughs> right. because, There's lots of shows. Because yeah. 98% of the time, it is not sold out. And that's what everybody in this state needs to know, yeah. is that it's bare, it's rarely sold out. Yeah. You yeah. know? I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, it will be when John plays in December. Those shows are already sold out. John Moreland's, both of his shows are almost sold out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's not, most of the time, it's like, there might be 20 people, 25 people. But it's still a wonderful, wonderful experience. And that's what matters. Yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how much money you can bring in on a given night and how, you know, and, and, you know, cause a lot of guys will go, well, I'm sorry. You don't, you don't draw enough. So I can't book you. Mm-hmm. Right. My deal is you're an asshole. You're not coming back. I'm not <laughs> going to book you. And that's happened from people that have sold the place out and are total assholes. And I go, I don't want to ever see you again on my property. Get out of here. Yeah. Well, I've you- done that a couple of times and that's unheard of. <laughs> and people are like, really? You did that? I said, yeah. I said, they came in here. They were disrespectful. They were they threw their weight around. They acted like they're big shots yeah. because they're like, either they're like being, you know, they're, they're being groomed by some label and they're getting kind of big in their little world or whatever. And they get in there and they think, Oh, we're little rock stars. Cause there's like a, there's a deal in, in the music business. Says, well, you gotta act like a star before you're a star. You want to throw your weight around. You know how that is. Yeah, and I go, bullshit. Ego. I said, I don't do that. I said, <laughs> right. go. It's throw the ego See out. you later. See you later. We're not interested. <laughs> right. All right. I mean, I take care of people. If you're if you're a legend, if you're like a Jimmy Webb or a Lucinda Williams or one of those people at that, then then I'll then I'll do hotel. I mean, I'll do a little bit of that stuff. Yeah. But for the most part, that's not what we're about. We're about people trying to develop their art in a play in a place where people absolutely listen. Right. Like Carter comes in, and you know, Carter's been coming there for ten years and building it and building it and. It's getting better and better, and, you know, she knows when she comes to the Blue Door, she can, like, people will be listening to what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, I went to a few other places. I won't name them mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City mm-hmm. or some of the, you know. I went to see John Calvin Abbey the other night at, at a, another place. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just 
run away. I go, I can't. I, I all I hear is this all this noise in here, and John's right here, and I can't hear anything because everybody's talking and hanging out. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think... Um, I hate that. I go, you know, there's nothing there's nothing that I have to say to the person next to me that's more important than what this person is saying. So shut the hell up. Well, especially these incredible songwriters like John Calvin or yeah. Carter. I want to hear what they're... You exactly. Know, they're I don't want to... I don't, you know... Yeah. I, I told this one this one woman at the Blue Door when I, I said, look, look, it's not folk church here. We don't care if you, like, whoop it up a little bit and we don't... And, and yeah, we love hearing the beer bottle fall on the floor. Everybody's heard that before. <laughs> yep. I said, but if you want to talk, go outside. We got a nice patio out here. Go sit out here and talk to your girlfriend about your damn boyfriend problem. And leave us alone, please. Yeah. Because we're trying to hear some music. Well, yeah, and you've built this venue that is really about relationships. I mean, yeah. I've noticed, you know, you have these artists like Carter, who's here with you today. And you have these artists that um, really care about you and you really care about them. Because I've watched your interactions with them. And I, you know. And so you're about the music and you're also about those relationships. And so I think that really uh, speaks true to your venue and what you've built. And Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I care about these people. I, 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 I want them to all do well and I want everybody to be as successful as they want to be. Mm-hmm. And I want people to keep everything in perspective in that just because you're a songwriter, just because you, you know, just because you're Greg Johnson at the Blue Door doesn't mean what you're doing is any more important than the person down the street who's teaching kids or doing mental health work with people and all this stuff. They're absolutely more important than what we're doing. We are we are a way for people that are doing the important work to sort of take a break and take a breath and say, oh, yeah. I can come here and sort of like... But it's like for anyone to ever think that the people that make music and people that play music and people that write songs are more important than people that listen to songs is absolutely wrong. And it's absolutely, I fight against that forever. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't want anybody to act like that. I've always, you know, um, being John Fulbright's manager, I've always taught him to sort of just, you know, we, we do what we do, but it's not any more important than the person that's buying the CD mm-hmm. who's, who's worked their butt off all week long and this is their big night to have, you know. And, and what they're doing is probably a lot more important than what we're doing, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know? And isn't that what music's about, is relating? I mean, exactly. again, it goes back to relationships. But relating exactly. And, yeah, and I think that's really important. And I, and I think that, you know, that's why the whole celebrity thing, I, I just can't care less about it all. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like someone goes, well, when, when's Lucinda ever going to come back to Blue? I said, I don't know. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's an old friend of mine and all that and all that. I've known her for 20 years, all that stuff. But it doesn't, it doesn't like make the blue door any more important than Patty Griffin and Lucinda Williams and Jimmy Webb play the blue door. Yeah. What matters is that Susan Herndon, Carter Sampson, Levi Parm, John Calvin Abney, Buffalo Rogers, Fulbright, Travis Linville, mm-hmm. Michael Fercasso, people that aren't stars. That's what it matters. Yeah. Well, that's and all those people want to come play it. And I think it's, yeah, you know, that's more important. Though. Yeah. And it's comfortable. You have your couches and you have your cat yeah, and you yeah. know, it's like you're coming into a <laughs> have home. You met, have you seen Charlie? You've I seen have. Charlie. I accidentally let Charlie out. I didn't mean to. You did. When was that? Because <laughs> I'm not watching. I don't want to tell. I don't. Well, he kind of was at the door and I was trying to keep him out. And I thought, <laughs> well, maybe he knows something I don't, you know? Yeah. And so he like flew out and it was, you know, Nathan Poppy was there that night. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I felt, I was having to catch my Uber and felt really guilty. I kept, you know, it's like Charlie is like a, He's a wonderful cat. I love that cat. Anyway, and that cat, like, uh, when he was a really small, like, 
like, <laughs> tiny. Yeah. Fulbright goes, because Fulbright always called him Charlie Manson. I go, God damn it, John. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I said, you're never, you say that one more time, I will, you'll never play here again. I will blackball you. <laughs> well, well, I, I named, because I named my, I named my, I had a dog named Woody uh-huh. I, after Woody Guthrie. Right. So I named my aunt, my, my pets after musicians. And this cat was named after Charlie Leuven, who's a, was a, legendary country singer who passed away a couple years ago. So I said, I always name my animals for dead musicians. And Charlie Lee was just the guy. And he goes, oh, Charlie Manson? I go, no, Fulbright, you idiot. It's Charlie Leuven. And, <laughs> and he, but, he, but he did say something that was really, really astute. He goes, look at his paws. That cat's going to be big, man. And so, and so that's what it's all about for me. And the right. Woody Guthrie shows what we do and all that. It's all about community and and all this, and that's why I am reluctant to do this whole boosterism thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm really shy about that. Yeah, because our scene is no, no, it's no more better than Asheville, North Carolina, or what's happening in some other states. Come on, yeah. it's happening all over the country. It's happening everywhere. There's great players every. There's great songs everywhere. Yeah. So I'm not going to be jingoistic and say rah 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 Oklahoma. We're better than everybody else. No, we're not. It's just it's just a happenstance that a whole lot of great songwriters have come out of a small little area. Yeah. Then over the years, and that's just and that's just the way it is. And these little pockets of light, though, don't yeah. you think? I mean, everybody's kind of creating their own light with our, you know, our. And what I what I think is important is that every single community do what they can to help their community, yeah, right? Kind of create that light in their community. And, and make sure that can grow and that can be as fruitful as possible and give them a place to play, you know? Not like, not like, oh, our scene's better than this scene. This scene's better than this scene. It's not. They're all, they're all very similar. I've met people from, like, North Carolina who are no different than people that are, you know, in Tennessee or some other. Everybody's... There's great songwriters all over the place. Yeah. A great songwriter just walked in the door. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. John Hadley over here. <laughs> Speaking of great songwriters yeah, from Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, Hadley, she's going to be Hadley, but also... I Come here, John, sit down. Yeah, yeah Come, sit down. down. But also, Come here. I don't agree with you, Greg. I think Oklahoma has a lot of great songwriters and a great scene because... We don't have anything better to do. <laughs> <laughs> we have Susan, her name is joining the conversation. You don't know what you're doing? Yeah, come sit my feet. Anyway. Well, and what? Greg, you are managing as well. You're, you're, you're a manager on oh, top God. of the venue owner. And you have a documentary coming out. So I, I know that you don't, I, you know, I know you don't like to, you know, but I want to brag on you a little bit like can we how can we find the documentary that's going to find that it's out? well it's not finished yet okay so that's that's wrapping up hopefully right. but and, but let's go back to the beginning of everything all right let's do let's go back to the beginning of everything. The Genesis? and the beginning of everything was was for me was in the early 70s in norman oklahoma following a band called blue rose cafe and my friend kevin welch and pat long and their mentor john hadley mm-hmm. and that was like the first time, because when you're growing up with music and you, all your all your stars, all the people you love, they're all out there, mm-hmm. right? They're like the Beatles or this or that. And for me, Jimmy Webb's out there. Oh, wow, he wrote all these crazy, you know. But they're out there. They're, they're not local. They're not right here. Mm-hmm. Blue Rose Cafe was like 
that localized this whole thing for me. So if it wasn't for Blue Rose Cafe, they would never be the Blue Door. It would never have happened. Oh. I, I, you know what I mean, John? Yeah, about I that? Is that, is that, you know, you look at stars and records we listen to, them, but it's never localized. For me, it was like, this is the band I followed, man. Yeah. I followed them, and I and I was I was closer to Pat than Kevin back in those days, because yeah. because Pat was the was the pr- premier. He was the main songwriter. I was going for the songwriter. Yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> I was going straight for the songwriter guy of the band. That's who I wanted to talk to. And Kevin was like the guitar player. He was just starting to write songs. Then. Yeah, that's right. But Pat was the guy that I we hung out more than Kevin and I did, which is kind of ironic now, but. I, I just gravitated toward the songwriter for some reason. I liked the guy in parentheses. Who the hell was that guy? <laughs> who was the guy in parentheses? That's who I want to know. Yeah. I don't. The artist is important, but I want to know who's that guy. Yeah. Who the hell is this guy? Whatever his name is, like you know. Yeah. So and and John Hadley was one of those guys, and he, you know, he brought us. Uh, he turned us on to a guy named John Hyatt. You know, and. Uh, uh, and Pat Pat was doing a train train to Birmingham, and, and Kevin and then Kevin you know, took it on and kind of, sort of made it his own. And it's like that's what's important about this whole scene is that you, if you just nurture what these guys are doing, let them go do their thing. Whatever happens to what to their career is whatever happens. Dave Hickey says there's two ways to have a career: vertical career and a horizontal career. Yeah. And the vertical career is where you go to the top to the top to get the hit record and all right, that. Right. The yeah. horizontal and that doesn't last very long. It's like you, you know, go straight back to the down. horizontal <laughs> career spreads this way. Yeah. And it goes from, from city to county to farms to back to the city and spreads out like that. Yeah. And that's the career that lasts. And that's the fans that never die no. away. They yeah. always are with you or else their progeny are with you. Mm-hmm. So that's I, that's I mean it's it's like it's 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 you know, like my, my friend Jimmy Webb. Now Jimmy, you know, Jimmy had all these great songs when he was in his 20s and stuff but he never had a successful solo career but now he's playing all over the country and loving it and doing 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 really great and 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 connecting to people where that never would have happened before because you know songwriters just don't do that that much i mean he's he's more of a performing songwriter than some guys but but you know he's doing that and some other guys are doing that 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 just were the writers of the hits, mm-hmm. and they're yeah. kind of coming out and playing a little bit more now, and that's kind of cool. That's really cool. I'd like to get this guy to play a little more now. And he's going to come out and sing tomorrow night at Douglas Corner. Cafe. I am. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm going right. to be gone. I got to. I got to. For you, for you, I'll do that. Okay. But, <laughs> but it's like you know, it's all, it's all about to me. I like songs like some people like short stories or novels, mm-hmm. and I and I just think that it's, they're important. They're important for. Speak to our heart. They're important for fun. Sometimes a goofy song is as great as a serious song. I just like I like if the songwriter, if, if I think the songwriter expressed them, did what they wanted to do and express themselves, and pulled it off, then I like that. Someone goes, Greg, how come you like so many sad songs? I said, not necessarily I like sad songs. I just love the fact that that guy. Absolutely pulled that off right there. He absolutely nailed it. Mm-hmm. Kevin Kevin Welch has a song called "The Other Side," and unfortunately, that song has been a little too close to me because I've needed it many, many times in my life. Mm-hmm. The other side of loneliness, the other side of the blues. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, that's what songs are for. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. They're not for entertainment. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> not, not in my world anyway. I don't need to be entertained. If I want to be entertained, I'll go to see a comedy club. <laughs> I like both. I like songs that entertain. Yeah. And I like songs that yeah. say, I like, I just like songs. Well, you're like me. I mean, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm overstating that a little bit. And but. I saw a great songwriter tonight. Yeah. I left here to go see, after Susan played, I went to see uh, Sonny Throckmorton. Oh, God and damn. He was, he was at Douglas. Hell yes. He was at Douglas Corner. He sang probably 30 number one hits. Yeah. You know, just middle-aged crazy. Oh, I love and, that. And smooth sailing and trying to love two women and just on and on and on, my God. And just with such, you know, it was rough and everything, but with such humility right. exactly. and humanity, you know, and all this. And stuff. that's what matters. It's, it's, it's like, that's why I, I will listen to some, I mean, I love good singers. I love good performers. I love all that. Yeah. But I, my, I can listen to my friend Bob Childers, who never sang. He, he, he sang flat his whole life, mm-hmm. and he was a great songwriter. And I loved hearing him sing. Mm-hmm. I didn't care that he couldn't sing that. Tell well. me, you didn't like Tina Turner? I love Tina Turner. Well, of course you. No, did. I, I love both of that. Yeah, okay. I love both of that, but I don't need to have. I don't need to have the great writer to be yeah, that great just, singer. We're just talking about entertainment as opposed to songs, right? Yeah. And I think, man, Tina, she was it. But I, I've got every. Well, it's a hard. But she story. picked. But she picked great songs. <laughs> she had those. She had those. She had some great. She had some weird. She, she had, had these like obscure Mark Markle songs that are like. She had that, <laughs> yeah. and, and you can't beat that when it comes right down to it. She had the energy and the presence, and she walked out on the stage, and the place was hers. Yeah. And she commanded every eye in the in the place. Yeah. But if she didn't have those great Martin Offler songs later on mm-hmm. that she recorded. What was she would just sort of be this novelty act. She was she she transcended no, I, that. She was never. She transcended novelty. it. She was never novelty. She would have been. Yeah. Not much. She would have been if she hadn't had. You know what I mean? If she had, if it had just been uh, proud Mary and nothing else. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, John, I I like what you touched on on the horizontal you know kind of journey of a, an artist or a songwriter. Yeah. I was interviewing um, one of our Oklahoma songwriters, Jared Deck, and he and we talked about how there's not this like flow chart of success um, mm-hmm. as an artist or as a musician because you know with lots of jobs you have this like flow chart of here you get to here here's your raise and then you get you know <laughs> raise as, as an, <laughs> right I mean that's foreign to, <laughs> that's foreign to us <laughs> right so but you so it's not um, so the way you just described it is it's this kind of ongoing journey of probably the highs and lows and the ebbs and the tides. Um, and so I really appreciate you talking about that because I think it's, you know, yeah. valuable. And even Greg, with your journey, I mean, it's like as a venue owner and manager, it's, you well, know, it's, it, you know, as John knows, cause John knows me as knowing for a long time. It's just that I, I love song. I just love songs. Right. I just like, I just, that's, you know, I just like them. I just, they mean a lot to me in many, many ways. And sometimes when you get really involved in the music business, sometimes you lose a little bit of what you absolutely got into it in the first place. For And I'm trying to get back to that a little bit yeah. to where, you know, when my day gets crazy, I just, oh, I just want to put on a Frank Sinatra record or put on a, you know, Miles Davis or just really love music again instead of like, Worrying about all what everybody's doing, how we put the puzzle together, or whatever we're trying to do here, yeah. and so it's just. And I want songs to mean something to people, mm-hmm. and they go home with them and go, "Man, I needed to hear that song tonight." Mm-hmm. Thank God, thank God, Kevin Welsh was here and he played this, you know, or whatever. And that's you know, but it's also fun just to have a goofy, 
you know, fun song too. I mean, Thank that, God for good. Hell yeah! <laughs> and NRBQ is our one of our is our favorite like bar band of all time. I yeah. mean, they 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 just had fun, cool, fun songs. You know, so yeah, absolutely. It's all it's all important, and I think that it's it's you know, if people really love songs, then. Some people don't love songs. Some people like music more than they love songs. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, we have you both sitting here. What's what's kind of coming up for you this year and into 2017? And I'll ask both of you guys this because we, you happen to come come be a new guest. So oh, this is like a, this is a surprise. Like, whoa, I know. I know that guy. <laughs> there's, one, there's one person in, in this room older than me. What, are you, uh, what yeah. are you working on now? What's coming up in the next few months and what's coming well, up? Well, I, I got a lot of shows coming up. Um I don't know. I mean, my, my dear friend Michael Fracasso, one of the greatest songwriters in America, who's still um, very undervalued, underrated, is coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Moreland and Fulbright's coming. I mean, yeah. Susan's making a new record. She's going to do a CD release, The Blue Door, in February, right? Yeah. Whatever, whenever that is. Um, Travis Linville's getting ready to make a new record and doing it. Travis is good. Yeah. He's getting um, better, too. Yeah, he's getting he's, better and he's better. He's got it. He's, he's just got it. He's getting better and so. better as a writer. Um, uh, John Calvin Abbey next week's putting out his, doing his new CD release. I love old Calvin. He's like, I do he's too. my buddy. He is so he's my buddy. lovable. Yeah, he's, he's my buddy. He is. <laughs> we, we're we're going to have him on our podcast. Yeah, and he's a good guy. Um, so yeah. I'm... I'm you know, I'm honored to be able to be in a place to help help people develop their art and their craft and do whatever, whatever, what, however that goes. Yeah. It, it, you know, it may go to where I'm going to do this full time, make a whole lot of money, or I'm just going to do this part time, have a day job, and do this and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's beyond. That, that has nothing to do with me. That's I'm just going to give somebody a place to develop it and see what happens. What's well, appreciated, and, and that's it. Because I don't care if they don't draw. Yeah. Doesn't matter to me if there's eight people there. Whatever, we'll still do another show. Well, that's and it's so refreshing as an artist because, again, as artists, you encounter, you know, oh gosh, so much pressure. To, oh. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, we didn't sell enough beer, <laughs> so, so to, you can't come for you back. To create that open space for artists. Well, I, yeah, really I, mean, I just it. I did not start it as a business. Yeah, I yeah. started it as a sort of a lifestyle, and it's what it is. Yeah, I mean. So there's been so many beautiful moments, um, you know. I mean, we did a did a tribute to uh, uh, our friend Pat Long, and uh, that we did in Norman that was so special. And John, and John was involved in that, and uh, you know, John was a, a significant influence on Pat Long and Kevin Welch, and that was a wonderful night. I mean, that was that was a, that was about one of the coolest nights of my life. Um, how long? When was that? Ten years ago? Yeah. I don't know. 2004. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. About years. Yeah. That's too it's, long. It seems like it was that long. I don't know. But I think that I think that what matters is is that you just have a space to where people can like I say do what they want to do. Yeah. And well, I'm I'm just I'm just uh, I'm just sort of a vessel. I mean, I don't know. Well, thank you for letting us hear more about the space. Cause well, thank you. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for listening anyway. John, what do you have? What are you working on right now? Are you? I, I, I came to town to write songs. Nice. I come to town about once every six weeks uh-huh. for about three weeks, uh-huh. and I write songs. Uh-huh. That's all I do. Yeah. Now I'm going to go hear somebody play, but mainly write songs. Yeah. I'm going to write a song with her before she leaves, I hope. And, uh, I do too. 
Yes, we'll and, and we've written many songs together. Two dozen. Huh? Going on three. Couple dozen? Two Working dozen. on four dozen? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> that and but I know a lot of people here that over the... I've been coming here since 1971. Mm-hmm. And so all the people that I've met all these years and then people I've met through them and we all write together and when the publishing business all kind of shut down on Music Row and everything which is very very lonely over there anymore mm-hmm. and the, and now all the, the songwriters all spread out around town because they were, were leaving the publishing companies mm-hmm. publishing companies were pushing them out right. and, uh, to a great extent mm-hmm. and uh, now they're starting to kind of get together again and kind of uh, form a bond with each other and have some kind of camaraderie again. Mm-hmm. East Nashville is a pretty oh, big, that's awesome, uh, isn't it? Pretty big uh, deal right now as far as as far as friends making music with friends again. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that was centered around the publishing companies, and and then it and then they now it's in living room. They right? ran off everyone, mm-hmm. so now it's kind of starting up again and East Nashville seems to be the heartbeat of that yeah. and I like that so I kind of I know a lot of those people and and uh, and depend on them and, and some depend on me we all depend on each other to write songs and play songs for each other and uh, yeah and, and and people that play in the studio Annie McHugh is a good example she came from Australia she came in now she's got her own radio show she plays on almost everybody's station in town she's made I don't know how many albums here and a lot of that's with support through the through uh, East Nashville mm. from East Nashville and all, and all the East Nashville guys all the East Nashville guys are coming to the Blue Door now yeah. Annie and all these all the it's like the whole it's almost like some nights we, we almost have this East Nashville night at the Blue Door kind of. It's almost like it's, it's weird. Melissa Greener is incredible. Yeah. Amy Spees is Amy fantastic. And, Amy and Eric Brace and Peter Cooper and, uh, oh gosh. I'm, uh, I don't know them as well. but yeah, of, And there's just, there's just so many of them. Annie, I mean, it's like, uh, uh, it's, 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 and John's, John, John's right. It's like, it's like this community, you know, people want to. You know, some people co-write, some people don't. Mm-hmm. But people that people that want to co-write, that's that's a perfect environment for it. It's just like, yeah, you know. Well, it's interesting going back to what you said. You know, what you have with the Blue Door, yeah, it is happening other places, um, and it's it's kind of that organic grassroots. Is what people want is this authentic music songwriting experience, and so that's what I'm hearing in East Nashville. That that's kind of really you know manifesting there. Right. Um, kind of, and, and it's interesting because East Nashville. Um, I lived here 12 years ago, and East Nashville really hadn't been developed yet. I mean, it, it was coming up, but um, especially, you know, Nashville, it, it is. It's the hub of, like, the music industry, and it, it's 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 a heavy spot sometimes. I mean, you have this, a lot of pressure, a lot of egos, a lot of, and, and, and not that that's a bad thing, but then you have, it sounds like East Nashville is kind of this little community that's going back to some of these these roots of just um, Well, there's, the house there's a lot of different, Nashville's a whole different, Nashville's a huge major city. Now. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a huge, huge. So there's going to be all kind of pockets of yeah. songwriting that we haven't, that our world knows nothing about. I wonder, is it was it hard for you, John, to go from uh, that publishing world where uh, the old old style Nashville to really, I mean, uh, co-writes with indie songwriters? I no. mean, all these indie songwriters. Was it no. hard to move between those? Two no, worlds? it wasn't hard to make that transition because I did a lot of co-writing anyway uh, after 1971. I really started co-writing a lot, and 
but uh, but I still miss those days with the publishing company. I miss it when Sony was still Tree Publishing Company. Yeah, right. At 2 o'clock in the morning when you had no place to go, you went to Tree, which is now Sony. And you went up on the second floor and you smoked cigarettes and you drank beer and you wrote songs. And, you, you know, that's kind of the way it was. Yeah. And then they'd come in in the morning and clean them up after everybody. It's probably the reason why we got kicked out. But I miss those days. I just saw Sonny Throckmorton tonight, who was one of the guys that was along with uh, uh, Curly Putnam and Hank Cochran and, and Harlan Howard, all those guys. Those were the kings when I came to town. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, yeah. and uh, Ray Van Hoy, who we, we wrote a song with, was just beginning, and he wrote What's Forever For and so many great hits. Just, and he was like 19 at the time. Was he there tonight? No. no. Very few people, but God, what a night. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen that. He sang, he sang, this guy wrote so many great songs and he just he knows the craft of writing a song he knows the art of writing a song right. he knows the immediacy the uh, of writing a song he knows what what that takes he wrote a lot of songs just driving in to town from the country where he lived beating on the dashboard with his hand for the rhythm and by the time he got to town he'd go he's to got, he had a song and he'd have you know trying to love two women is like yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the way he did it and and uh, he well, yeah. what what he just said though, it's something that I've always said for years and years is that great songs are the complete collision of art and craft. If you have a little too much art, it can sometimes not be very good. If you have way too much craft and no art, they can sometimes not be very good. But when those two collide, yeah, but you talk about it. They're perfect. Well, I mean, what about uh, Laurie Anderson? I mean, there's so many people that don't fit the art, craft, any definition, any boundaries, that the music to me doesn't have any. And there's enough in the music to please everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a place in music if they want it. And you can find great music if you just look for it. But nowadays, you have to really have to look for it. And if it's not where it used to be, too bad. You go someplace else for it. It's not on Top 40 radio anymore, at least not for people like me who grew up with it being a different kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you go someplace else, you know. You go you go to indie music, which is where a lot, which is a lot of what, what Americana's about. Yeah. And and, uh, or you go, or you go overseas. You know, and you exactly. go to Africa, and uh, you go to France, and you go to uh, Susan just recorded an album in French, mm-hmm. and and so music is has no boundaries, none whatsoever. And I, uh, you got to stand by your art, and if, if people like it, they like it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, because the French album is so so in demand here in America. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I did it. I love it. I played it. <laughs> I played you. it a few times. Thank I you. played the French and the English. <laughs> well, I feel fortunate, and I think you, as Okies, I mean, you kind of talking about John that it's harder to find good music anymore. I mean, I feel like being in Oklahoma, and we're you know based out of Oklahoma City, but I mean, I can. Just just start naming off the top of my, you know, on my hands. Well, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great artists, music out and there. so I'm really proud. I'm, I'm proud of our community. I'm, oh I'm, no, I'm it's it's, it's really grown in the last. Listen, when I started the Blue Door, and John knows this, in 1993, mm-hmm. there. There was a little bit of a scene, but nothing like we have now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing like we have now. It's it's exploded. It's like I remember Kevin and I having a talk in like 2007, and I'm sitting there going, we're like hanging out, and go, you know, man. 
if we don't get some fucking younger people that are writing songs coming through here, we're fucked, dude. We're fucked. And then Fulbright shows up, and then, you know, and then all these other people start showing up, and it's like, it, it, it just sort of became a organic kind of deal with ha- happening without people trying to, like, be mu- Mr. Total... Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'm, I was... Everybody was starting to look around. Excuse me. Oh, no, you're I'm sorry. Sorry. Although, I don't well, look. I, if, I love it. Some, if I can go some small sh- self-promotion. Yes. No, we want you my to. My friend Michael Vercasso's at midnight at the... Uh, Family Wash with his band Betty Sue, and he's awesome. Well, I and wish he's, we were he's our adopted Okie. He's like, <laughs> he's not live, so, so forget about it. He's like our adopted Okie, and he's like he's like he's like one of the guys that. Well, he's dear friends with Kevin Welch and, and Fulbright, and 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 he's he is his. This man is from Ohio, and he's he's first generation Italian, but man, he is as close to Oklahoma yeah. as anybody who's not from here. And so, if you all have anything to do. Well, Nothing else to do. Come well, out. How can you find more information on Michael and his his web his web page? Yeah, it's just, media just michaelforcaso.com. You know, he's like a right. he's like a you know uh, what did uh, Alejandro Escovedo calls him the Tony Bennett of Americana, which is is it's kind of a it's more of a joke than anything. <laughs> but Michael's a really great great writer, really great writer. Well, good. We're glad to introduce our listeners who have not heard of him. And yeah, to no, he's really great. Get to boost him with those who have. He's, he's a good writer, and he's doing it for the right reasons and trying. You know, so. well, Everybody's well, just trying. Everybody's trying, and we'd like to think that, you know, through our podcast and through our blog, you know, if people are just starving for some good music out there, come check out our Oklahoma artist. You got <laughs> it. You know, you got so it. we have some great people, and we have some great people supporting, you know, these well, artists. Well, thank you for and, what you're doing, too. Oh, yeah. We've, this has been a pleasure. This thank is, you. What a, what a little bonus a here. nice bonus you know, yeah. yeah we we got to, to talk to Susan earlier and so this has been a joy and oh, I yeah. appreciate having you both there. oh yeah I mean really but that, I mean Hadley was like it's like I'm like this like young guy normally like stupid idiot like hanging out with this band kind of thing <laughs> and like uh, but John was like wow he's like a, he's like a real songwriter you know <laughs> John, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.